Jesus is here. And I thank God that he's here this morning because he's been my joy in sorrow. He's been my hope for tomorrow. Let me tell you, he's my light when I'm going into a dark place. He's been my strength. He's been my rock in a weary land. And I just praise God for him being here this morning. I want to take this opportunity to first thank your pastor, Pastor Liverpool, and your elder who's been so gracious, Elder Wright, who is on the prayer line with us. Uh, The Lake Region Conference Adult Ministries prayer line is 6.30 in the morning. and I say this every morning. Yes, I know it's early. I know it's early, but God is there. Amen. Amen. He gets there before we do. And so I just thank God for Elder Wright and your pastor for this gracious invitation. I count it a blessing and a great privilege to be here to share with you this morning. And then I want to thank uh, my president and our administration, Pastor Garth Gabriel and Pastor Abraham Henry and uh, Pastor Eddie Allen uh, and our new treasurer. Amen. Amen. Pastor Kent Nichols. Uh, as they administer to us in this great conference. And I don't know about you, but I believe it's a great conference. No matter how broken we are, no matter, yes, yes, we better give God praise because things are about to get a little shaky in this world. And so we better thank God right now for what we have. Amen. So I thank God for the Lake Region Conference. But this morning, I won't delay our time. I just praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy as we consider this theme of prepare to meet your God, prepare to meet your God. Um, You know, I want to also, I want you to know that it is not, uh, there's no such thing as coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. I literally believe that everything that happens to us, for us, through us, whatever it is, it has to do with salvation. And so I believe it's no coincidences. Our God is not a God of coincidences. He knows exactly what he's doing, when he does it, where he does it, how and when. Amen. And so I don't believe it's any coincidences. And uh, today's message, I believe, is foreordained. Uh, um, Your presence here this morning is also not a coincidence. Amen. God has aligned every detail this morning to accomplish his purpose. And I want you to know right now this morning that God's purpose is to save us. And I don't know about you, but I'm going, I'm going to be saved. Amen. I'm going to meet Jesus when he comes. And so I thank God for that. I'm not going to ask a rock to follow me and hide me. I'm going to meet Jesus and I'm going to see him face to face. What about you? Amen. There's a story of a father and son who arrived uh, at a trailhead for a a backpacking trip and although they needed to check in and register for the backcountry permit the father stated that he wasn't expecting all the questions that the park ranger had for him how many of us know that some things can be unexpected yeah. amen well uh, uh, as he was so unexpected she asked him things like are you prepared for rain are you prepared for sudden cold weather are you bringing a first aid kit with you do you have something to make a fire do you have a way to purify water are you carrying some means of shelter do you have sufficient food provisions Well, the story goes on to say that at first the father thought she was just kidding around, but she kept asking him questions and was watching him very intently as he responded. 
Well, the father says he quickly realized that after a couple of questions that she was uh, dead serious and uh, that when she was satisfied with all his responses, she wrote the words, all prepared on their permit. She was satisfied that they were sufficiently prepared to face the challenges of this particular hike. Those questions are the words all prepared in that story, just stuck in my mind. Of And of course, being a preacher, I realized that it was a sermon that God had given me uh, 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 for what he wanted me to preach today. Well, no coincidences. The father said that what he realized was that the park rangers wouldn't give them a backcountry permit and wouldn't allow them on the trail if he and his son weren't prepared. Then in my mind, uh, these facts uh, uh, started taking on a spiritual context, Pastor Liverpool. I realized that the same is true of our spiritual condition. When our time comes to die and or stand before God, we have to be prepared. And if we're not prepared, we won't be allowed to enter into heaven. Our heavenly permit, if you would allow me, won't be granted in a matter of speaking. And so the title this morning I want to explore is Prepare to Meet Thy God. Prepare to Meet Thy God. Father in heaven. God, you're so gracious. You're so loving and merciful, abundant in goodness and truth, long-suffering. And this morning, God, we want to tell you thank you. Lord, we thank you for everything that has gone on thus far in worship. Lord, but we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. And so this morning, God, I just ask you to let it be so. Lord, bless your servant. I need you, Father. You've always come, and so I'm expecting no different this morning. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Amen. The scripture says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, have mercy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Uh, Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. 
Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. To give you a little context, this parable is, in a, is, is a small but important part of a larger sermon known as the Olivet Discourse, which starts at the beginning of Matthew chapter 24 and concludes at the end of chapter 25. And so Jesus and his disciples are having a private discussion while sitting on the Mount of Olives. The timing is after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem during the week leading up to the Passover. And so Jesus is going uh, 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 for soon to share the Passover meal, also known as the Last Supper, with his disciples. And then, then he's going to be arrested and tortured and crucified. And during this discourse or sermon, Jesus goes on to describe to his disciples the various signs leading up to his return of the great tribulation and the manner of his second coming. Some of us better be ready. But the primary message of the Olivet Discourse is that nobody knows the day nor the hour of his return. And so we should therefore watch and be ready. I said, and so we should therefore watch and be ready. And to expound upon that message, Jesus uses the parable of the ten virgins uh, to draw our attention to our spiritual condition and make us consider whether or not we're truly prepared. So with that context in place, let's dig in and see what Jesus has to say. So first of all, Jesus gives us a picture of the church in verses one through five. And these verses, we see 10 versions, five are wise and five are foolish, each with lamps waiting for the bridegroom. These five verses lay an important foundation as a context for the rest of the parable. So we're going to spend a little bit of time here. So let's look first at the bridegroom. The bridegroom is symbolic of Jesus Christ. We know he's represented as such in several parts of the Bible, including Psalm 45, Song of Solomon, and frequently in the New Testament. Well, the Bible speaks of Jesus' singular, unwavering, unconditional love for his bride, the church. That is me, that's you, that is the person outside of these four walls. Amen. Jesus is speaking to himself as the bridegroom in this parable. The ten virgins are representative of everybody in this room. So let's first look at what all ten virgins have in common to better understand who we're talking about. Because we do have some things in common. Amen? Amen. Number one, all ten are virgins. So the implication here is that it speaks of their chastity and their character. Uh, They're all good, they're all decent, and they're all moral. Then number two, all ten are waiting for the appearance of the bridegroom, who's Jesus, and all have lamps, which indicates that they all have a knowledge of God and his word. Listen to me now. Uh, 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 And they all have a knowledge of God and Jesus... uh, and Jesus and his word and they all have a sincere desire for Jesus number three they all ten fall asleep while the bridegroom is delayed symbolizing the apathy of the church as the end times approach now I know we know this I know we're familiar with this amen we know what it is we can just look around in the pews and we can see what's going on today amen 
But let's talk about the concept of watching and waiting for a minute as we consider the 10 version. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. We also see in Matthew 25 at the end of the parable of the 10 version, Jesus says, watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. As the author of one commentator puts it, there's a difference between watching like a guard at his post alert for danger and watching with expectation uh, like a family awaiting the arrival of a loved one returning for war. Uh, one has the connotation of fear and danger, whereas the other is filled with joyful expectation. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I'm filled with joy and expectation because I want my Jesus to come. I'm tired of being here. I'm ready to go home. From all outward appearances, the ten versions seem to be alike, but we know from these verses that there's one thing that distinguishes the five wise versions from the, wise, from the uh, five foolish ones, and that is vest oil in their vessels. Now, I know we all claim to be Holy Ghost filled and, 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 and uh, uh, sanctified and set aside. I, I know. <laughs> I'm from the Baptist denomination, so I know. All right? I know. I know. But there were five wise versions and five foolish versions, and that's the book. Amen? Now, let me stop right here and make it clear that God works uh, 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 on being a, uh, God, a good works or being a good person won't save you. Galatians 2.16 uh, tells us, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we having uh, believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be saved. So let me stop right here. Because see, I know, I know. I know we think if we keep the Sabbath, if we just keep the Sabbath, if my loved ones would just keep the Sabbath, if my loved ones would just accept the Sabbath. No. The first point is, have they accepted Jesus? Because if they haven't accepted Jesus, the Sabbath don't mean a hill of beans to them. Knowledge and belief in the Bible and belief that there's a God can't save you. James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Sincerity doesn't save you. Matthew 7, 22 and 23 says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we cast out demons in your name and done many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I know sometimes we just believe that if we just keep the Sabbath holy, If we feed the hungry, I'm here. I showed up. <laughs> Jesus says, I never knew you. None of these things can save us from judgment and damnation. Yet, 
we see a picture of five foolish virgins who sincerely believe they'll be part of the wedding party even though their vessels were empty. They may have had the lamps, but they didn't have any oil to put into the lamps. So what does the vessel of oil signify? The vessel is symbolic of the heart and the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. This is what separates the true believers, the five wise from the pretenders or the counterfeits, the five foolish having possession of the Holy Spirit. And yes, I said it. Because I know some of us don't want to admit that we're a counterfeit. But the truth of the matter is, by their fruit, yes. you shall know them. And I'm not here to judge anybody. That's the book. And let's look at a few other verses that make the same distinction. Ephesians 1 says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Because I want you to know, you don't get the Holy Spirit later on. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you get the Holy Spirit right then and right there. Amen. Amen. I don't want nobody to think they got to wait until some big bang happens. But I tell you this, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you better walk in it. Walk in it. Romans 8 verse 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Somebody better get their hearts ready today. Romans 8 says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Yes. I thank God I get to have what Jesus has. This is the true picture of the church, the true church, the bride of Christ. And it's made of, up of genuine believers who's been sealed with the Holy Spirit. With the five foolish versions, Jesus is depicting all the well-meaning good people who sincerely think they're saved, but who are sincerely wrong. Jesus had the following warning for the scribes and Pharisees earlier in Matthew 23. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, leaders of the church. Hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs that indeed appear beautiful outwardly. But inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. And I have you to know that we're all ministers of the gospel. We're all leaders. We may not be serving on the same level, but we're all leaders. So he's talking to each and every one of us. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The five foolish 
Virgins may appear to be religious and righteous, but they're devoid of the Holy Spirit. Instead of living lives that have been truly transformed by the power of Christ, their lives are more like performance art. This may sound harsh, but it's important to hear the truth. Amen? It's important for each of us to assess the genuineness of our faith, the genuineness of our hearts. Our eternal destiny hangs in the balance. Jesus is coming and he will not tarry. Which takes us to our second point in the morning, this morning, the proclamation of the coming of Christ. Matthew 25 says, and at midnight, and at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. In other words, the time has finally arrived. The wait is over. This isn't a cry like a cry of a baby or somebody sobbing. This is a shout in explanation. Jesus is back. Yes. Jesus is here. Yes. Jesus is here to get me. Yes. Let's also read 1 Thessalonians 4:13 verse 18 to tie in with our sleeping virgins and the joyful loud announcement of the return of Christ. We all know this. You can recite this with me. Verse 13 says, "But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Yes, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so will we will God bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. I'm thankful today because I have some loved ones who are sleeping in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. And you know what? The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. He says, therefore, therefore, comfort one another with these words. The moment we've been waiting for was joyful expectation, the proclamation of Jesus. Yet this doesn't fill all ten virgins with excitement, does it? No. Five of them are now in a fearful panic. This is the panic of those who are not prepared. The five virgins who are not prepared. And we ought to be praying right now because each and every one of us knows somebody in this number. The five virgins who were prepared and a possession of vessels of oil, they have the Holy Spirit in their hearts, are ready to finally meet the bridegroom. The five who are not in a panic, they realize too late that they're in need of oil for their lamps. Verses 8 and 9 says, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. 
But the wise answer saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. One commentator put it this way. The Holy Spirit is a unique, a gift uniquely given to believers at the moment of their salvation. You can't get it for others, nor can you give it, give any to them. Each of us has to receive it by ourselves and for ourselves. Revelation 3.18 says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and uh, white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness, your sin may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. You can't ride on someone else's coattails into heaven. Only a personal individual relationship between you and Jesus is going to do it. While the five foolish virgins are in a panic scramble to find oil, let's look at the possession of the chosen in verse 10. It says, and while they went to buy, while they went to buy, have mercy, Lord Jesus. Whoever is out there, God, bring them in before it's too late. Because while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in to the wedding and the door was shut. I have family members in that number. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came and the door was shut. In this this verse, we have two more symbolic elements to consider the wedding and the door. The wedding should be fairly self-explanatory. We know this. This is the wedding of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and his bride, the church, which is prophetically described in Hosea chapter 2, verses 16, 19, and 20, and Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Please read it when you get home. The door that was shut is symbolic of the door or entrance. Hear me now. The door that was shut is symbolic of the door or entrance into heaven. If you don't want to go to heaven, why are you here? Go out, enjoy your life. Don't waste your time. The door that was shut is symbolic of the door or entrance into heaven. Revelation twenty-two fourteen says, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. And you know what? That they may enter in through the gates into the city. I'm going home. I don't know about you. Keep in mind also that there's only one entrance. And that's through Jesus Christ. Not Buddha. Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. He said in John 10, 7, Most assuredly I say unto you, 
I am the door of the sheep. So in essence, Jesus isn't just the bridegroom. He's also the door. And so he offers uh, uh, us forgiveness and salvation, which is available to everybody until the door is shut. So when that door is shut, it doesn't matter what church you belong to. When that door is shut, it doesn't matter what you believe. When that door is shut, it doesn't matter the service you've given to the church. When that door is shut, the time for preparation is ended. And it'll be too late. But while the door remains open, let's prepare our vessels with oil so we can join the procession of the chosen when it's time to meet the bridegroom. Otherwise, we'll join in with the protest of the castoffs. Asking and begging for the rocks to fall on us. The five foolish virgins realized too late that the time of preparation was over. And that they're now shut out and cast out forever. I don't know who this is for today, but somebody out there believes in the rapture. Somebody out there believes that there's going to be a second chance. Lord Jesus, we ought to be praying right now because I'm here to say right now, there is no second chance when the door is shut. That's it. Jesus is coming. We just read the word. Luke 13, Jesus warns, strive to enter in through the narrow gate for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and won't be able Verse 25, when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he will answer and say to you, I don't even know you. Where are you even from? Come on Then you will begin to say, we ate God. We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't even know you. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. The five foolish versions are cast off. No matter how loud we cry and sincerely protest and beg and plead, it's too late. The time of preparation is gone. The door is now shut. The main principle of the parable of the ten virgins is preparation. Here's my question, Ipsy. Are you prepared to meet Jesus? The wise virgins are those who have a personal relationship with Jesus, who are sealed by the Holy Spirit dwelling within their hearts. Jesus warns that we won't know the day nor the hour of his return and that it'll be at a time when we don't even expect it. And just like that, our own deaths could happen at any time without warning. No matter how healthy we may be feeling right now, no matter how good we look right now, our money won't stop us from getting sick. 
Where we live won't stop us from getting sick. The cars that we drive won't stop us from getting sick. Any one of us may not live, God forbid, to see the sunset today. Just the other day, a good friend of my family in the bed with her husband watching TV. Aneurysm just explodes. Blood down to the brain stem. Just like that. No warning, no nothing. Just like that. God forbid. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Just like the foolish rich man in Luke 12, he, uh, we don't know when God will say this night, this night, this night your soul will be required of you. And the book Hebrews 9 says, and as it is appointed for men once to die, then the judgment. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Each one of us listening to this sermon is without excuse. God has given us this morning a clear warning of what's to come. He's given us his word to show us our sinful condition and our need for Savior. He's made it clear that the one and only way to spend eternity with him is through his son, Jesus Christ. Being a good person is just not enough. Being religious and being a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not sufficient. Only through placing our faith in Jesus Christ and surrendering our lives to him will, will, will we be reconciled to God and be ready. But here's the good news, Ipsy. The door is still open. The door is still open this morning. It's not too late. And so I want to ask you again, are you prepared to meet Jesus like the five wise virgins? Do you have all prepared, written on your heavenly permit this morning? Our job as Christians, and I'm almost done. Our job as Christians is to continually stay woke. I know they talk about staying woke when it comes to Black Lives Matter, but we better stay woke when it comes to Jesus. Because I happen to know when Jesus comes, when they're out there protesting Black Lives Matter, if the door is shut, <laughs> Black Lives Matter can't help you. Protesting and rioting can't help you. Jesus is the only one who can help you. But this morning, I, I want to make an appeal. Did you mess up with Jesus this past week? Everybody's hand needs to be up. <laughs> because we all messed up somewhere. We all did something, said something, thought something, read something, watched something, heard something, was in somebody's company and nodded our heads, even though we didn't believe it, just not even realize what we're hearing. Or maybe even today you've messed up with Jesus just this morning, but 
Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that just as the sun came up this morning, we can start anew, we can start afresh, we can start over with Jesus. You can start fresh right now, right now. And so this morning, I, I, I just don't know, maybe you need to come to the altar this morning and say, Jesus, I know I don't need to inform you that I've messed up because you know already. But Jesus, I'm sorry and I ask your forgiveness and I assure you that at that moment, you are forgiven. You can start over. You can start over right now in Jesus. And so is there somebody here this morning that needs Jesus? Listen, I became an Adventist over 30 something years ago. My baby is 32. She'll kill me if I didn't know. I think she's 32. But let me tell you this. I've come to realize that every morning, every morning, I have to recommit myself to Jesus. Because if I don't, there go I. I can't talk about the prostitute out in the street. I can't talk about the liar and the thief. I can't talk about the alcoholic and the drug abuser. Because I found if I don't give it all to Jesus, there go I. I was once out there, and I know what it's like, and so I don't judge nobody. Because, see, you couldn't have told me over 30-something years that I would be standing here this morning preaching the gospel. But because of Jesus, he can take a life of nothing and make it something. And so today, I don't know about you. It may not be you. It may not be you. It may be one of your children. Mm. It may be one of your grandchildren. It may be a friend or a coworker. A neighbor that you want to stand for this morning. So I'm going to ask you to just stand because if it's not you, you know somebody. You know somebody that needs Jesus. You know you know somebody that needs Jesus. And I'm going to admit right now, I'm already standing. I need Jesus. Every day, all day long. Because sometimes I can let it rip. I can tell some people some things. But I have to beg God, hold my tongue, Jesus. Hold my tongue. Lord, don't let me go there. Don't let me, Jesus. Hold me. I need Jesus. And so this morning, I, I just want to pray for that somebody in your life that needs Jesus. He's good and kind and merciful. You know what? He's long-suffering because he waited on me. He waited on me. He sent somebody to get me with the gospel, and I 
I fought it, I denied it. I did everything I could. But the Lord said, no, no, you're going to get this. And I'm so thankful that he pressed me. Because if he hadn't pressed me, if the Holy Spirit hadn't pressed me and pushed me and prodded me, I would have continued on that life in the streets, just spiraling out of control. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I did. But Jesus came and got me. He came and got me. So I want you to stand for somebody this morning. And I just want to pray. And I want you to pray that Jesus sends somebody to go and get that person for you. We can't do it. There is nothing within us. Nothing within us. It has to be the Holy Ghost in us to draw somebody. And so they first have to see it in us. And see, we have to learn to do the right thing. See, we can't be walking or talking to talk, but walking in a different way. Because they believe it or not, they watching us. They watching what you do. They listening to what you say. They watching where you go. You may think you're sneaking and creeping around, but somebody sees you. I thought they was a Christian. I thought they loved Jesus. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I want to be prepared. What about you? Let us bow our heads this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for being long-suffering. God, thank you for chance after chance after chance. God, thank you for waiting. And because you waited on me, God, I know you're waiting on somebody else. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, I want to begin right here in this room. Because while we may be too embarrassed to even stand up and rededicate our hearts to you, God, I'm asking you to read every heart in this room. Read it, Jesus. And deal with it accordingly. But save them, Lord God. And then, Lord, I want to pray for that son or that daughter or that grandchild, Lord, that sister, that brother, that husband, that wife that was just like me, Lord, before I came to you. I didn't understand your love for me, God. And so this morning, Lord, I'm just asking you to go to them as each individual is standing for them. I pray that they're, I pray that they're pleading on their behalf to save them, oh God, by any means necessary. And I know that's big because I know as parents, we want to protect, we want to cover. But oh God, today I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, that you would move the parents out of the way. And God, I pray that you would have your way in their lives. Because just like you had your way in mine, just like you have had your way in our lives, God, have your way this morning. I don't care where they are. They may be sleeping right now uh, so deep under the covers. 
Go under there and get them, Jesus. They may be in the nightclub this morning. Lord, still intoxicated from last night. Go get them, Jesus. If they're out there walking the streets, selling their bodies, Jesus, go get her, please, Lord. Please. Show her that real love is only found in you. God, this morning, we want to be prepared to meet you. And so, Father, my last request is that you would forgive us for where we've fallen short. God, whoo! Jesus, we've fallen way short of your glory. Some of us, oh God, don't, all we want to do is just sit in the pews. But this morning, this morning, we're going to be different. We're going to leave here different. Because since you've forgiven us, I ask you to wash us and cleanse us, oh God, and prepare us for the impact that we're going to make on the souls that we're going to meet this week. And then God, I pray for a double portion of your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, we need your spirit. So I ask for him to come. Come and arrest us, oh God. This morning, Lord Jesus, change us. Change us. There's a song that says, are you ready for Jesus to come? Are you faithful in all that you do? Have you fought a good fight? Have you stood for the right? Have others seen Jesus in you? Are you ready to stand in your place? Are you ready to look in his face? Can you look up and say, this is my God? Are you ready for Jesus to come? Don't cling to the world and its treasure. This earth is going to pass away. Oh, give him your love without measure. He's calling you today. Are you ready for Jesus to come. Father, we thank you this morning. We honor you and we bless you, God, for making your presence known. Lord, we thank you because you could have chosen not to come. But because your children are here, God, you came. And you blessed us, oh God. So today we honor you and bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.